Hi everyone and welcome to the All Inclusive Podcast where each week I chat with industry experts and diversity, equity and inclusion executives from the world's leading global brands who share their knowledge, experience and actual takeaways to help employers create cultures of belonging where everyone can thrive. Today I'm joined by Christopher Thompson, Head of Diverse Talent Experience and Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Executive at JP Morgan Chase Bank. Welcome, Christopher. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be with you today. Oh, me too. I'm so glad that you've been able to make it. Um, so I think best thing to do is tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey to your current role at JP Morgan. Listen, that question is so expansive when you think about all of the nuances to get to it. Mm. And I love to share with people is that I wasn't a traditional route and I didn't actually think I want to go into diversity, equity, and inclusion. I've always said I'm a people person. Every day I help solve problems for people. And the truth about DEI, it's actually helping people solve the problems of how you show up as a human being every single day. I started my career in recruitment of college students. Then I went into a sales role. Then I went into a broader executive recruitment function for some firms. And then in 2017, I found my way to JP Morgan Chase. Listen, when I took this role, I gotta tell you a secret. I woke up every day saying, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know what kind of impact I, I'm gonna be able to have. And, and really showing up every day in my authentic self, with my voice, my skills, my talents. And I had a leader who allowed me to be all of Christopher Thompson. And that has given me the ability to touch a number of things globally on behalf of our firm, from helping to lead an inclusion strategy to currently being in a position where I help our wealth business set strategy and do things for our advisor community, our diverse advisor community that helps them bring their very best selves to work. Well, at the same time, I do a ton of facilitation, a bunch of coaching and doing presentations that allow us to really find and people find their voice inside this 270,000 employee organization. So my journey to get here is unconventional, but all of the steps along the journey help me touch people in a way that allows me to be relevant in whatever audience or place that I go. So it's just, it's an honor every day to wake up, to not know what I'm doing, show up and go do it and see results in impact. What do you feel is the purpose of diversity, equity, and inclusion? You know, it's an interesting question. I think that that question has evolved over the last couple of years. And I do think some of the impacts of COVID, some of the impacts of George Floyd globally, not just in the United States, but globally, has caused institutions, firms, organizations. If you wake up and you go work for somebody, even yourself, you're thinking about the world through a different lens. That lens is the human one. I commonly say, I used to have this professional life and this personal life, and I did everything that I could to keep those things separate. Well, the last couple of years, people are working from home. Husbands and wives are partners in the same house with their cats and dogs and kids trying to get work done. Yeah. I think one of the things that we've had to think differently about is this idea that if we want to be a society where people can bring the best of who they are every single day, you've got to deal with the human, not just the skill set, not just the competencies, but the human condition and all the things that are happening in someone's life that allows them to say, you know what, I can be my very best, even when my child is sick and it's influencing how I think about my day. 
if my car broke down. Well, my car didn't have to broke down because I wasn't going anywhere. But now we're back into this place where people are taking trains and, and taking transportation and flying all over the country again. And so we're having to think differently around DEI and what is the human experience that someone is having and through their voice, how they identify, can we let them bring or can we create access points? Can we remove obstacles so that when they are here, they can be and bring the very best of who they are. That's really the value proposition around DEI, but it's also this complicated discussion around how we think about metrics and numbers and making sure we're solving for the right problems. Because it's not just about representation, but defining what representation at the organization that you're in needs to be solved for. Mm. I'll give you a really quick specific example. Um, in Atlanta, Georgia, we have some strategies, right? Where we're wanting to increase representation for black employees. Well, the one leader I spoke to at one time, he's like, I, I've actually got enough black employees. I need to solve for something different. I need women, I need white men, right? So sometimes good intentions around DEI strategy don't solve the problem at the local level. And so the complexity of the discussions we're having is one, you've got to make sure you're connecting to the human. And two, you've got to understand when you're driving metrics, you've got to understand what is it you're solving for? What kind of representation are you actually trying to increase? and then work specifically that way to get what you need. So, yeah, I mean, that is an answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's always answer the question. And I think I, I completely agree with we need to look at the human side of things um, and really just sometimes it is just as simple as asking the question of, OK, well, how do you feel about this? How will this person feel if we implement these particular strategies what's what's the impact on them as as human beings as people coming into the office as well as how is the results what the uh, results will be from a RRI standpoint um so why do you think being a diverse and equitable and inclusive organization is going to make your business different from all the other businesses in that in your industry i think the the question is an interesting one because in these discussions going back to a point i just made around the human i think when we consider differentiators what what makes us different is one that are just sheer size and ability to think globally and the ability to think globally means you have to consider different places, different stories, different outcomes, different regulations, different policies, different procedures. It is a complicated conversation for us to have. But what makes us different in our size is that we've got talented, educated, really nuanced folks that think outside of the proverbial box to help us consider what's the impact of a strategy that we drive to India versus San Antonio, Texas versus Tampa, versus Columbus, Ohio. And who are the people, like the, uh, the who are the people in the neighborhood, right? Who are the people <laughs> who are in our space, right? They give us permission to understand who they are, what's important to them, that we give life to their voice. And when we do that, when we set strategy, now it gives us the ability to be more prescriptive about what it is that we do. Years ago, and, and some of us have had uh, conversations, practitioners have had conversations uh, the last several years around. Most DEI is programmatic, right? And the truth of the current moment is DEI is a business. You must have outcomes. 
you must have individuals who are dedicated and committed to it just as you would a new product rollout. And you don't do new product rollouts without doing some work inside of the community saying, do you want this? Would this work for you? Right. Um, and we have to do the same for our employee base. And that's some of the work that we do very prescriptively inside of the space that says, hey, if we're going to roll out a new strategies for our LGBT plus community, are we speaking that language of that community? If we're going to roll out a new strategy or product, if you will, around listening channels and circles to help us better understand what the employee is going through, are we going to the employee? Or are we just asking a subset of folks who just happen to be in the room at that time? They can't represent everybody. It was one of those things where when George Floyd happened, the Black community in particular was called upon a lot to speak mm. to the current societal challenge and how they were dealing with it. And you found this really amazing exhaustion in the environment. But the truth of the matter is, it wasn't just Black employees who were experiencing or having an experience because of what had happened. And so it was important to make sure you had more voices and individuals who were engaged in the conversation, helping us have a more inclusive way of thinking about the intersectional delivery of the new product that goes out, the new delivery methodology that is speaking to that community that helps that individual who shows up be human and bring the very best of who they are. I, we've gone through this iteration, right? We went from like your whole self to work yeah. and then you bring your authentic self to work, but we've been through these, these iterations. I actually have a different way of thinking about it currently because what we've found is that sometimes when you bring the best of who you are, when Christopher Thompson comes, and I don't have to be what we would refer to as my representative, the person that people want me to be because my performative way of showing up makes them feel more comfortable. Mm. Well, wait a minute. I, I, I'm If I'm comfortable in myself and I bring all of who I am, what I'm looking for is acceptance. What I'm looking for is someone to say, you know what? You might not speak the same way that I do, but I honor and respect what it is that you've said. And we find that common ground together so we can get to a place where we're all absolutely working in a more cohesive and collaborative environment. So we get a problem solved, so we get an outcome to so the people we're serving, whether it's our clients or our internal employees, then everybody wins. Like that's the real kind of secret sauce of what we're doing in the space right now. But it's really about listening to what someone is saying, understanding that their voice matters, it has value. And when we listen to that, finding that common thing that's there being prescriptive with how we go out, then we get an outcome that we get we get a better return on. We're a bank. Mm -hmm. Like our bank, like everything we do up every single day, our shareholder is looking for a return on their investment, right? right? I'm a shareholder. My employee that's here is a shareholder. And so I want them to get the very best return in whatever it is that we're delivering to them. And we won't do that unless we hear from them. So that what creates differentiation for us is that we really have become in a really big place. How do we make it small? How do we create localization so that you know that you matter, that you have a voice. We're not perfect at it, but every day, that's why we have people like me who are sitting in seats, thinking about executing against, meeting with leaders, meeting with our team members to make sure that we can actually deliver it in a way that's meaningful. No one is perfect in this world. And what I'm interested to hear from you, Christopher, is what has been your biggest challenge? Yeah, I think that the biggest challenge is, um, and I'd like to be a bit tongue in cheek here, uh, sometimes we say JP Morgan change, right? It's the only thing that's constant is the is change. But when you have a big complex place like ours, mm. change is inevitable. And so what becomes complicated is this idea that what was right today 
or right yesterday may not be right today. And if I'm trying to scale something to reach people across the globe, it's impossible to do that. And so what becomes challenging is this idea that can we find the thing that will have the greatest impact for the population or the group or the demographic we're wanting to serve in this moment? Yeah. Knowing that at some point in time, we're going to pivot from that to do something else because the world has changed, because the economy has changed, because the leader has changed, because the team has changed. So it's the constant ability to understand that you have to be fluid. You've got to be flexible. You live in a world of gray, even though you're having to push out black and white every day, that black and white gets gray as soon as you move from business to business, from leader to leader. And so that's the challenge, I think. But, you know, for me, I, I do think that's a little bit of the, the fun. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah. if I want to call it fun, but it's the yeah. thing that... Um, when I wake up every day, not knowing what to do. I'm but that's the walk. exciting part is right? finding yeah. the ways to overcome it. What is, what yes. would you say is one of the things that you feel that you've, that you do now to overcome that challenge? And that's been working quite well for you. Oh man, listen, I'm, I am a um, meet no stranger kind of guy. So I talk to everybody, whether I, um, have a, the same values or belief system, whether they look like me or not, there is not a soul on the planet that I have a problem sitting down with. And the new person that I meet gives me more information. And most of the time I get stories and those stories inform how we think about what happens next. And the more stories I hear that are common, now I know that's yes. the thing I need to lean into, yes, right? Yes, yes, oh. yeah. But I think you've got to be open to hearing everyone, what, what everyone yes. has to say. We all have a different experience. We all have our own stories to tell. And it's in those stories that you'll probably find a lot of similarities or not even similar, but you can resonate with. Um, yes. And you can understand more and learn more. Um, I'm I'm a huge advocate for for the power of storytelling. Like, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I do this podcast is to bring life to everyone's journey, to everyone's story, and to share that with everyone. Um, especially with 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 the leaders that are currently in the the space of DE and I, um, because that's the way that we learn, and that's the way we can keep having these conversations and keep ensuring that we are changing and we are becoming a better world. Well, here's the, here's the thing, right? You have a lived experience that's different than my lived experience. But if we sat down and read the same book, now we have the same learned experience. Mm. And when I take that learned experience and I map it against my lived experience and I sit with you, we have something in common because we read or we learned the same thing. And now I bring the authenticity of my lived and your lived and now we're both stronger. Now I've learned something through that common thing that we did, which is why DEI strategies that help everybody show up in the same way, learning the same thing, and then you fuse on top of that the lived experiences of people, that's when the discussions and the conversation becomes really authentic and unique. And then people who never would have thought they had something in common with the person they've been working with for 20 years, that lived thing now becomes their thing because they learned a thing together. It's That's the power of storytelling to me, is that you've got this thing that, hey, we're doing it all together, learn the same thing, 
now want to bring that together to get us to a place where now we're working together in a really smart, efficient, kinder kind of way. And frankly, I think it's, it'll make the world better if we learn how to do that right. But that's just me. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. Um, so what's the one thing do you think that leaders today aren't talking about, but you feel they should be? You know, I think the one thing that leaders aren't talking enough about is um, their struggle with DEI and how they show up in the world. So old narrative, right? Leader, hierarchy, I can't let you know that I'm weak. I can't I, I can't let you know that I'm struggling with the thing. I can't let you know like that I got a problem because I've got to show up and I've got to lead you. Well, the truth is you're a human too. And if you aren't taking care of you, then how should you, can you expect you're going to take care of people who need you? And so I think leaders, especially in this time, have to become more transparent about what some of their struggles are, some of their challenges are and how they have to now show up in the world in the midst of those challenges so that the human that they're leading is like well wait a minute well Christopher you you are human you go through the same stuff I go through um we talk all the time uh, uh, Jamie Diamond is our CEO and there is um his great cachet he's an amazing leader and people when they meet him sometimes get really nervous and I'm like He's a human, right? Right. He, he puts his shirt on like I put my shirt on. He puts his jacket on like I put my jacket on. And if we start with some of that simplicity, even from a leadership perspective, it makes us better leaders because we are then thinking at it from, a, from an empathetic perspective. Like empathy is really critical in today's environment where you're beginning to understand what's happening in the lives of the people that you're having to lead. And if something happens in someone's life, you're like, okay, I got it. Let me help you get time away or let me help move some work away from you or let me lean in and give you some counseling, some coaching, some advice, whatever it might be. Like you now become somebody they can count on so that when that employee shows up, they can give the very best of who they are when they show up. That's the, to me, like those little things becoming more transparent, more empathetic, more human in your environment. You can still lead great high-performing scorecard-based teams when you are more human with them, when they know you're the human. That's I, like, I'm watching that happen all over the place. And as it is, I'm watching better outcomes from the leaders who are doing it that way, happier people, more engaged, greater participation, because somebody knows. I think it's the um, Theodore Roosevelt. It's a quote I use all the time. People don't care how much you know, unless they know how much you care. And when somebody knows you care about them, they're willing to share more. They're willing to give more. That's what I think leaders should do more. It's the way that sometimes when you meet, say, for example, like when you're out and about and you you, you kind of bump into or you see a celebrity across the street or something, you're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. They're there. They're there. And like you just get really shy and you don't know what to say and you fumble. But actually, you know what? If you just stop and think they're just a normal human being that has a job like everyone else. Yeah. And it just so happens that their job everyone they're interacting with millions of people on a tv for a tv screen yes. um or if they're a singer on stage like it's they touch 
more people. That's all. I feel like sometimes that's all. It's just that they touch more people. Um, but they're still human. And that's with, I feel, with leaders as well. I mean, they we do kind of sometimes put them up on a pedestal and you're like, oh no, don't want to talk to them. What what do I have to say? Why would they want to talk to me? <laughs> um, it's it's definitely happened to me one or two times where I've been in a meeting and it's our like chief exec is is there sitting there wanting to discuss all of these different things that we're doing and literally I kid you not he then turned to me in the room and was like Natasha what do you think I was shitting myself if he had come across a, a more like a, a, as 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 you said a little bit more relatable if he had started the meeting off with oh I've just got off the phone with my my kids sorry guys or told a funny story that that for me I feel like probably would have actually allowed everyone to relax a little bit and if he then turned to me, I think I probably would have been a lot more comfortable. Um, Can I share something that we are doing that actually yes. speaks to that directly? So several years ago, we started doing this thing called Humans of J.P. Morgan Chase. And it is simply a slide. That slide has pictures on it. Those pictures are of your life. You can decide what pictures they are. Mine has my family on it. Mine has my wife and I vacationing on it. Mine is an event um, that I got a chance to do several years ago that gave me some global opportunity to share an inclusive message with our firm. But it's a way to tell the story of who you are that really does break down the walls of the hierarchy that exists in the space. And oftentimes what you find, which I think is super fascinating, is that people find commonality when they're just looking at the picture. Before I even yeah. tell somebody about like my life, they look at the picture and they begin to tell the story themselves. And they're like, oh man, I like wine too. Or I have a daughter as well. Or I like to golf. Like whatever it might be, the pictures you put out there, tell the story and then you tell your story. And now you're just a, a group of human beings having some conversation about shared life experience, lived. You've learned something about me. Now we create connection together. Yeah. And your hierarchy in that moment doesn't matter anymore. It's about what we can actually accomplish together because we have something in common together. Yeah. Like it's been really that's good. Great. That sounds great. I've not actually heard of that um, before. Totally. I'd like to talk about your balancing work and life. Mm. How do you do it? I mean, working in DE&I, it's, it, it can be a lot. Um, so how do you find the balance with all the work that you're doing? Yeah, I, I don't actually believe you can. I think it has more to do with you being really self-aware, understanding where your schedule is and do you have clear cutoffs? Do you know if your um, mental health is good? If you know that, wait a minute, I'm not in my best self today. And if somebody comes in my space right now, I'm probably going to create a situation where there's an ER case that's out there, right? So I'm so aware enough to know, like, I've given a ton to this thing. I need to step away or I need to, to, to go take a walk or I need to spend some more time with my wife. I think really the concept of balance in this situation really does um, start with the idea that I, I'm understanding who I am. I understand that I'm listening to my body right now and I'm super tired and I probably shouldn't go do X, Y, or Z, or I've been sitting at my desk 
for three hours at one time, back-to-back meetings, stand up, get up, go do something else. Um, and, and sometimes balance comes with maturity. Is that an approach you've always applied or? No, okay. Not. Oh, I was, com- I was completely irresponsible for a number of years. I, I distinctly remember um, my wife and I, we had our, so we've got three children and they were younger at the time. And I had this really amazing, uh, ambitious mind and uh, was striving towards uh, career progression and growth, et cetera. And uh, they went on a vacation without me because I, I, I had to work, what I thought. And they were sending me pictures and they were having an amazing time. And I literally was like, what am I doing? I am right. never doing that again. That was 20 years ago because they did something that I wanted to be a part of. What I do actually think is happening in our culture today because the concept of wellness is in most of our organizations and institutions. And the idea is if you aren't healthy, you're not gonna bring the very best of who you are. So your work product won't be the best of what that firm or that organization will need. So there's a greater consciousness around mental health, greater consciousness around physical health and all the support infrastructure that exists around, at least even in our ecosystem. But I think in most, because there is a recognition that people are putting in more work, people are tired. And even in some instances, like forced vacation, Christopher, when was the last time you took a break? I do that with my team. It's like, yeah. when was the last time you took yeah. a break? Yeah. If you haven't taken one, now I'm going to be looking for it. Or here's what's most important. Um, if somebody's on a vacation and you know they're on vacation and you see their light, light come on and it shows they're working and they're supposed to be on vacation, like being very prescriptive. And I'll do one of these. I'll pick up my phone. I'll send a message like, I know that can't be you. Somebody stole yeah. your ID. They logged <laughs> in for you because you're yeah. not supposed to be working. Um, and I think it's becoming in a, in a way that we have to become comfortable with allowing people to get breaks, to take breaks, to self-reflect, to really have a good sense that um, the world is hard. There's lots of challenging things people are going through. And if we don't give ourselves permission to take a break, to walk away, to step away, to really be reflective around what we can do, I don't think we're going to actually get to a place where our world gets better or our work product is what it needs to be. Um, and then the employees suffer and your business suffers. And so, um, no, I've not always been good. Sometimes I'm bad <laughs> now, um, but when I am bad, I'll tell you the last thing that I think is critically important is having people around you who recognize it too. And when you can't recognize it yourself, as, as self-aware as I am at times, sometimes I get lost in some of the things that we're doing. Yeah. And I have really amazing people around me who are like, ah, I think you need a break or how long you like they ask the right kinds of questions that push me back into this thing. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. Am I? If I ask myself the question, when was the last time I took a break? Do you take a day off? Do you take a, whatever that might be or whatever it is that I might need? Go play golf, whatever. Um, I think you've got to have the support structure around that'll tell you the truth, that'll be honest with you, that'll care about you in a way that um, you then can show back up um, in your best. So Yeah. 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 No, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that, Christopher. And and thank you for all the, the nuggets that you shared with us today. Um I've I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um before we part ways, what I would love to hear from you is what was your parting piece of advice that you'd give the DEI leaders of tomorrow? I have a I have a phrase. Uh, that I say, and it goes like this. Um, Passionate people 
produce panic. Why? Because people can't meet you at your passion. But DEI practitioners or anybody who's doing the work, be purposeful. Find the why in it. And then lead that way through your passion. Then you get greater participation. You get productivity. You get a place where people really do feel like they're being rewarded for the work that they put in. But if you show up in all of your passion, or another way to say it is if you show up trying to, to, to be cause-based, you lose people before you even get started. There are some leaders who are super excited and passionate about going, and then that leader leaves, and then the program or the initiative leaves with them because somebody couldn't meet them at their passion. So find mm -hmm. people who have purpose, and when they're in their purpose, then you find people speak passionately about it. They execute passionately around it because they have a purpose and a reason and a vision and a desire to go after it. Then their passion is realized because you start seeing people participate. Your passion is realized because the purpose that you started with now gets you an outcome where more people can get engaged and involved. And that really is what we're, work, we're doing in the work. It's not just about increasing representation for specific demographic groups. That's one element of it. What we're looking for is true inclusion where people know this is a place that I belong and my yeah. voice matters. And that every day I show up, even if I don't show up at my best, the place cares about me. And then, you know, you get, you get people smiling more and you get people joining BRGs and all of those things that you uh, set up programmatically. And then you get a better business outcome and return. And when the business is healthy, because the people are healthy, then your products and services are healthy. And then that grows the economy. And that's ultimately what we all want. So thank you for asking the question. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Oh, really honestly, grateful. yeah, no, I'm sorry. I could talk to you for more. I could talk to you for longer. <laughs> honestly, it's been so great. It's so great, Christopher. Um, how can people connect with you? Oh, I'm on LinkedIn. It's probably the best way. It's Christopher Thompson. Um, uh, if someone needs, I'm, of course, at JP Morgan Chase in terms of where I work, but the very best way to get a hold of me LinkedIn, look me up, follow, I'll add you. Like, I love the um, adding content and the content that I like to share is um, intersectional. So sometimes it'll be something from the Harvard Business Review. Other times it'll be specific things that we're doing with inside of JP Morgan Chase. Um, but I think it is, a, it is a fantastic way to connect with people all over the globe like-minded individuals who are sharing information that makes us all better. So LinkedIn's the best way to find it. Thanks Thank again, you. Christopher. I greatly appreciate it.